Today I want to wrap up our, our focus series. This is the finale of the focus. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I'm using F words, have you noticed? Not the F word. Although the F word is faithful. Wow. So today is the focus finale. We've been focusing on our Heavenly Father and asking Him. It, it's easy to get out of focus. How many of you know that? It's easy to get your eyes focused on the wrong thing, which leads you in the wrong direction. It's easy to get, get out of focus on what God has for you and get focused on what the enemy's trying to bring into your path. And so we've got to focus on our Heavenly Father and worship on a constant basis. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make his boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and they will rejoice. And David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And whatever we magnify grows larger in our sight. It grows larger in our eyes. And so as we magnify him, he becomes larger. He doesn't change who he is. He doesn't actually get larger. He just gets larger in our sight. We, he becomes all that we can see. So we bring him in as close as we can, and we focus on our Heavenly Father. And, and the old song says, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As you focus on God, all the other things begin to get smaller. I don't know if you found that to be true in your life, but if you'll do it, you'll find it to be true. Focus on God and watch everything else get smaller. And we talked about focusing on our forever future because we're, we're going to heaven forever or we're going to hell forever. There's only two choices, smoking or none. <laughs> and it's serious. It's serious business. And so we are called to bring along as many as we can with us. Talked about focusing on following Jesus in the here and now and asking the question, what would Jesus do as we walk in his steps? If you've been a part of a power group, you know the, the best question ever, which is the question we need to ask in every situation. In light of my past experience, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And if we'll ask that question, what would Jesus do? What's the wise thing to do? We'll find ourselves walking in his steps, following along with him and doing what he would do. And then we talked about focusing on the family, your family at home, your family at church, the church, the family of God. We've, we've talked about the whole concept of honor and submission to authority and how power flows from being under authority. And as we're under authority, God uses us with authority. And then last week we talked about focusing on our friends who are lost and on our fruit. Notice they're all F words. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but I worked real hard at that. <laughs> we talked a bit about pruning and how pruning hurts. It's painful, but 
the master gardener, God Almighty, he prunes things in our lives so that the dead can go away, so that life can flow and greater fruit can, can be produced as we mature in him. Are you with me today? We talked about the suffering of Jesus, and then Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, to arm yourselves with the same attitude that Christ had. We talked about arming ourselves with an attitude. You need an attitude when you're dealing with the enemy. You don't need an attitude when you're dealing with, with everybody else, but you need an attitude with the enemy. You need the same attitude Jesus had. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me with an attitude. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And I will refute every tongue that rises up in opposition because that's the heritage God has given me from the Lord. That's an attitude. I will use the same tactic that, the, that Jesus Christ used when the enemy tried to, to tempt him and pull him and cause fear in his life. It is written, not my own thoughts, my own ideas, but here's what the Word of God says, and the Word of God is truth, and I can stand on truth, because truth doesn't shift around. And so we arm ourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had. We use the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is that which cuts, that which divides Soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It gets in between things that couldn't get in between. And so God uses his word through us as we speak it, as we use it, as we live it. Today, I want to I focus on the last three things in our short amount of time that we have together. We're going to focus on being a faithful leader. We're going to focus on recognizing the fake feline and his fury. <laughs> I'm working it, all right, okay. And then we're going to focus on our firm foundation. 1 Peter chapter 5, and then we will finish with 1 Peter today. It's been an incredible book as we've walked through it together. Peter says, and now... A word to you who are elders in the church. I guess he's talking about this section right here. Since that's the young section and I don't know who you are. And then we got the little kids back here. But here's the deal. You're older than somebody. Did you know that? You're ahead of somebody else and somebody's watching how you walk. Somebody's watching how you live. Somebody is younger than you. Somebody is saying to themselves, that's somebody I want to walk like, I want to be like, I want to do life like. And so he's talking to the elders. Of course, he's talking also to the elders who are leading the churches. But he's also, I believe, talking to those who are going to be faithful leaders. And he says, I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I love the fact that Peter was with Jesus and saw. Peter's writing from a perspective that not many people had. He saw a lot of stuff. 
In fact, he was not just one of Jesus' disciples. He was one of the three who hung out with Jesus more than the other 12. Peter, James, and John. You'll notice in the scriptures that those three guys were with Jesus on many different occasions, and the other guys weren't there. Okay? The other nine were doing their thing, but these three seemed to be with Jesus at all times. And so Peter says, I too am a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I saw some things with my eyes that have convinced me to give my life to this cause. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. And he will be revealed to the whole world someday soon. And we get to share in his glory. And as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Notice he's not saying, you got to do this. He said, I'm, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. If you're an elder, somebody's been placed in your care. Whether you're a business owner, whether you're the head of a family, whether you work somewhere and you got people working with you, whether you're an older brother or an older sister, care for those who have been entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Because we know from Scripture that we're not working for men. We're working for God. Everything we do will be rewarded by Him. And so He reminds us again to be a faithful leader. Not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. And then verse 3, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. And here's two opposite ends of the spectrum. Don't lord it over those assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. In another passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to live in such a way that you can walk with me, walk behind me, and find yourselves in the right steps. I'm going to lead in such a way that my example is all you need. Yeah, I'm going to tell you words, but it's not just the words I'm speaking, it's the life I'm living. And so many times, even as parents, we're like, don't do what I do, do what I say. That doesn't fly. You know that. They say, you know, the, the footsteps your kids follow in are the ones you thought you covered up. They're watching. And they're watching the attitude. Not just the actions, they're watching the attitude. Because attitude spreads like gangrene. Attitude's a big deal. You know what I'm talking about. So he says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, 
you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. I love that. When, when your boss, who really is your boss, shows up, he's going to give you what you can't get down here on earth. A never-ending crown of glory and honor. I want you also to notice something else that's kind of missing here. He says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And then there's no mention of what they choose to do with that. Because some of us get all tied up with, well, they didn't do, and, and I'm respons- you're not responsible for their actions. You're responsible for how you lead by example. So you lead. Lead well. Speak well. Live well. And then... They have a choice. I remind you today that God had two kids and they both rebelled. Adam and Eve. Now he had an only begotten son who didn't rebel. But the other two messed up big time and they had a perfect father. Just sit on that for a little bit. Because some of us are sitting with heavy stuff on us going, yeah, I must have done something wrong. Not necessarily. You may have, but not necessarily. Because everyone has a God-given free will choice. And then he says in verse 5, in the same way you who are younger, those of you who aren't, y'all sitting back there in the young, yeah. You who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. See, there's give and take here. There's leading by example, and then there's this authority issue that if you don't accept the authority, you're you're living in rebellion. They said you must must, and he uses the word must here, you must accept the authority of the elders. And then all of you, everyone here, everybody raise your hand, it's me, talking about me, all of us, all of you, all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. And here's why. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God actually blocks your way if you're prideful. But if you humble yourself and you come under the authority that God has placed, he gives more grace and grace and grace and grace and grace because you're living in the right place. You get grace. So check your attitude. And I'm full of pride or am I filled with humility? He says in verse 6, so humble yourselves. Don't wait till somebody else humbles you. Humble yourselves 
under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. That's what God does. He's an awesome God. And then verse 7, and I love how it just kind of sits right here in the middle of this chapter. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Another translation says, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Another translation says, casting all your care on him. I actually wrote a song when uh, we were traveling with our family and my kids sang it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How? And we did kind of a Jamaican type feel. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He careth for you, you, you. He careth for you, you, you. Hey, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Hey, and, and it, it was fun. But uh, so how do you do that? How do you cast all your anxiety? How do you give him all your worries? Well, you pray the details. It, whatever's bugging you, pray. Pray first. Pray the details and then Leave it in the Lord's capable hands because he can handle it. He cares. Pray first. Somebody say pray first. Before you make a decision, before you, you jump into anything, before you do anything else, pray first. He cares about you and he can handle it. He's an amazing God and he's more than able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. There's an old song as I was uh, studying this week, it just came to me. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And sometimes we, we give it to God and then we pick it back up and take it with us. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you who came down today, you needed to leave it here, but you grabbed it and took it back to your seat. Thinking, oh, I, 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 it, it feels so Comfortable to hang on to it. And you got to leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you will trust and never doubt, my God will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. It's what we got to do. You're not built to handle some of that stress. You're not built to handle the anxiety and the worry that you carry around every day. You got to give it to somebody who's able. He says, cast your care on him. 
He cares for you. He can handle it. He knows exactly what to do with your junk. And he'll give you wisdom to know how to keep moving forward. Amen. So focus on being a faithful leader. And, and teach your kids, teach those under you how to cast their care on, on the Lord. Teach them how to pray. Don't expect the church to teach them how to pray. They need to learn that around your table. They need to learn that in your house. When you're tucking them in bed at night and you're leading them and showing them what a godly man, a godly woman looks like. Come on now. Lead by example. Number two, focus on recognizing the fake feline and his fury. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Focus. Don't get out of focus on this. Stay alert. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, stay alert. Wake up. This isn't something you want to miss. You want to be able to focus on the right things. Now, I'm not telling you to focus on the devil, but I'm telling you, you need to focus on recognizing him. You need to be able to recognize when it's him knocking at your door. Stay alert. Watch out. For your great enemy, he's not your friend. He's your enemy because he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you down the path of never-ending torture. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like. Somebody say like. like. He ain't it, but he's like. He's acting like, he loves to dress up, he loves to get loud and big and act like he's something he ain't. Your enemy, your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He'd love to eat you for lunch, but he can't because he's a fake feline. <laughs> I don't like cats anyway. And I really don't like this cat. I know you, there's some cat lovers in this church, and it's fine. I've killed a few in my day. Not on purpose, like my son. Cats I killed were by accident. But here's a cat who's acting like a cat, a big cat. He's going to come knocking at your door. He's going to come roaring. R.G. Lee said, if you don't get up in the morning and meet the devil, you're just headed the wrong way. And I think sometimes we get to thinking, oh, I don't know why life is so hard. It's hard because you're going against the enemy. 
You used to be part of his pack. He didn't have to bother with you because you were doing whatever he wanted you to do. You're just following your own flesh and your flesh led you in that direction. But now you're going against the stream. Any dead fish can float downstream, but it takes somebody with some guts, somebody with some life to go against the flow and God's called you to go against the flow. And because of that, you're going to have some encounters with your great enemy, the devil, who's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Stay alert. Did you know that the lion's roar is meant to simply bring shock and fear? Wants to shock you. Wants to cause fear. Wants to strike fear in your life. They tell us that it's, it's one of the loudest calls in the animal kingdom can be heard from up to five miles away. And here's why lions roar, they tell us. They roar to tell other lions where they are. They roar to show how big they are. And they roar to warn lions from other prides to keep away from their home territory. This territory is occupied, they're saying. Get back. I'm going to cause some fear in your life. Stay back. This is my turf. Stay off. Don't go there. I'm here. I'm big and I'm bad. Back up. This is mine. But I got news for you today. When the lion begins to roar at you, you've got more power in your pinky toe than he's got in his entire being. And you place him where he belongs, under your feet. Every place the sole of your foot treads is yours. That's what the Bible says. That's truth. The enemy can't take what's yours. I, uh, I remember when, when Christie's grandparents were alive and they came and moved to Davenport, Iowa, where we were pastoring. Uh, I remember going into their trailer and, well, hello. It, open up the front door of their trailer and right there, right there, as soon as you walked in the door, there's a little plaque. And it said, fear knocked. Faith answered, no one was there. Fear knocked. Brittany talked about it today. Fear's been knocking at some of your hearts and your doors and saying, hey, 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 you need to be scared of me. But faith answered. Now, this is what the Word of God says. And no one was there. Now, maybe you've not heard a lion roar in a long time. I scoured YouTube, finally found this. This is one of the best ones there. Are you ready? Here you go. Watch this. Yeah. Wow. Right on. Showtime, yeah! 
And you know why they're so excited? Because he can't get to them. <laughs> There's a big wall there. There's some protection. And listen, you got a big wall around you. You got some protection from God Almighty. There's, there's only one real lion. Your enemy's a fake lion. You need to recognize him when he's roaring. And remember, there's only one true lion. Revelation 5 says, I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and on the outside of the scroll. It was sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll. And it's seven seals. There's only one lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's able. So how do I handle the enemy when he comes at me? When he stalks me, when he roars and creates fear in my life. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves. Then to God. That's the first step. Submit yourselves then to God. Come under God's protection. Don't step outside of His authority. Don't step outside of His umbrella of protection. Come under the authority of God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's going to run from you. You don't run from him. He's going to run from you if you'll simply resist him. The message says this, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God. And he'll be there in no time. Then he goes on, quit dabbling in sin. Some of us, that's where we get in our trouble. Just keep dabbling. Keep dabbling. So quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Some of you need to hear that, but some of you need to just do that today before you walk from this place. You need to get down on your knees before the master. Submit yourself to him. Resist the devil. He will flee. So 1 Peter chapter 5 Verse 8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, always dressing up to intimidate you. 
stand firm, verse 9. Same thing James says, stand firm against him. Take a stand. Some, some of you just need to, to learn how to take a stand against the devil. Is Luke in here today? Luke, come here. I've seen you play this game with the kids. You know what I'm talking about? He wins every time. Sometimes when you're fighting, you need to, you need to be able to push, push hard and stand Stand your ground. Don't give in to the devil's schemes. Stand firm. Thanks, Luke. He's a big boy. I think I put my shoulder out. So he says in verse 9, Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Not in yourself. Be strong in your faith. Don't be strong in your own strength, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, putting on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil. Come on now. So stand firm against Him, be strong in your faith, and remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And sometimes we need to know this. Whatever we're facing is not unique to us. Whatever we're facing Everybody else is going through the same kind of thing. I think it's probably one of the greatest things that has happened in the women's ministry this month is people are starting to realize, I'm not alone. I thought I was the only one dealing with this. I thought I was the only one having to deal with this problem and that situation and this attitude. And what happens is we start to recognize it's not just me. Everybody else is going through the same stuff. So we need to encourage one another. So he says in verse 10, focus. Focus. He doesn't say that, but I'm telling you, focus. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. See, that's the only way you get to eternal glory is through Christ Jesus. He's the answer. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. Focus on the firm foundation, who is Jesus Christ. All power to Him forever. Amen. And then Peter closes out this letter with these words. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas. Because, hey, you got to have people around you helping you. Even writing the letter, Peter needed Silas to help him. He says, I've written this letter to you. It's a short letter, but I had the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother, because he's been faithful to me, and I know he'll be faithful with you. And my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you're experiencing is truly 
part of God's grace for you. Now let me rewind back to the beginning when I told you who he's writing to and what they were facing. They're being killed, murdered, burned alive, tortured. Peter says, yeah, I want you to know, I want to encourage you and assure you that what you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Not everything is going to be hunky-dory dandy. Not everything is going to be peaches and cream. Not everything is going to go okay in your life. But stand firm in God's grace in the midst of what you're going through. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. And you got to know that as you come to Jesus, he gives you a peace that goes beyond your understanding. Because you've been there as well as I have, where you just come to the end of your understanding. I don't get it. I don't understand. We're dealing last night. We came to the end of our understanding. It doesn't make any sense, and we're mad as could be, and we don't understand, and what do I do now? i got to turn to the one who holds the peace. He gives a peace that goes beyond understanding, and it guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And He helps us as we stand in His grace. He gives us a peace. He is, Jesus Christ is our firm foundation. And in him there is peace and security forever. Stand firm in this grace. There's an old, 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 old song. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. And the last part of that song says, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. And we get to do that today. We get to turn to the one who can stop the lion's roar and can bring a deep settled peace in the midst of the lion roaring his head off because he's a shield about us. He's our glory. He's the lifter of our heads. He's an awesome God. Stand with me, please. As I was reading in my one-year Bible reading this week, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, because He's coming back. And He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And I love this part. God will do this. 
it's not because not you're going to work hard at it. It's because you're going to lean on him. You're going to let him give you the peace. You're going to let him surround you. You're going to let him hold you up because you're submitting yourself to God. And you're resisting the enemy. God will do this. For he is faithful to do what he says. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's faithful to do what he says. God will do what he says he'll do. God will do what he says he'll do. He's faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into this partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you kidding me? We get to be partners with him.